the heat into the disciples. Excuse me, I can't talk this morning. It is impossible that the offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone be hanged around his neck and he cast into the sea than he should be should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. If he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. I want to look at these set of verses. As I looked at this, verse 1 is really an encouraging verse. That's sarcasm. Jesus says, it is impossible. When Jesus says something's impossible, then that's the truth. It's impossible. Jesus says, it is impossible that offenses will come. So basically, if we're breathing, if we're living, we're going to have offenses crop up in our life. We're going to have situations that come up that have the potential to be offense in our life. People will say things that hurt us. People will do things that hurt us. It's just part of life. <clears throat> but Jesus goes on and says, if he trespasses against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day, turn again to thee saying, I repent. As we look at that, think of the, the people that you associate with, that you have relationships if my wife does something twice, it's pretty hard to forgive the third time. And Jesus is saying not only that, you're to do it seven times in a day. That's hard. That's very hard. And going on, Jesus says, thou shalt forgive him. That is a command. That's not if they say, I'm sorry. That's not if they say, I promise not to do it again. That is a command. <clears throat> Verse 5 just caught my eye. Um, and the disciples said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Here, Jesus is in the latter part of his ministry. The disciples have walked with him for a number of years now, two, two, two and a half years possibly, and have saw miracles of astounding. Um, they've saw lepers healed. They've saw people raised from the dead. They've saw all sorts of miraculous things that Jesus has done. But when Jesus tells them of these things to do it said lord increase our faith just think about that for a little bit it just goes to show how hard it is to forgive somebody that has offended us they needed to be increased in their faith <clears throat> psalm 55 i want to talk about what david has to say on this matter <clears throat> Psalm 55, verses 12 through 14. And the, the, the heading of this is, on my Bible, says, Betrayed by a friend. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. And we could put the word, switch the word reproach. It means to taunt or to make fun of. 
It says, for it is not an enemy that reproached me, for I could have borne it. So what he's saying here, if an enemy said these things to me, I expect that of an enemy. I can handle that. But he says, neither was it he that hateth me that did magnify himself against me. So somebody that hates us, somebody that already dislikes us, we already know their thoughts towards us. We can already prepare our hearts to know that, that they're not going to say kind things about, about us. So he did mag himself. Basically, he insulted me. And then David goes on and says, I would have hid myself from him. We can, we can remove ourselves from that situation. We can get away from that person that continually drags us down. But it was thou, in 13, a man of my equal, my guide, and my account acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. So this is somebody, what he's saying here, somebody he goes to church with, somebody that is a close friend that he was betrayed by. And I want to tie this all together as we look at adjusting our expectations. <clears throat> the closer relationship, the greater of the potential for the offense. Why is that? Well, naturally, our expectations are higher want to do an illustration. So this is, let's say this is the world. This is ground zero in, in relationships. And this right here would be our church family. This right here would be leadership, mom, dad, spiritual leadership. And then this would be our spouse. So if this is ground zero in the world and we get our expect, expectations are met like this from the world, then we have a blessing. We look at this as a blessing. Does that make sense? Everybody with me? So from here to here, they have exceeded our expectations. But what we have now is we have, what about from here to here? Does that make sense? So our church family, there's a greater sense of potential as we climb the ladder of, of uh, fences in our lives. And then when we get clear up here, well, that's our spouse. <clears throat> So we expect the world to mistreat us. We expect the world to, um, I can't get the right word, but hate us, I guess would be the right word, because the Bible tells us that. But we don't, expect, we don't expect mistreatment from our church family. We don't expect mistreatment from leadership, and we don't expect mistreatment from our spouse. So hopefully that, that gives a little bit of an illustration of why the potential gets higher of the, the closer the relationship is with um, the person. I just want to insert this little bit in there. As, as we seek relationships, and this kind of goes back to the pride, what are we trying to get out of the relationship? Are we trying to get something out of the relationship? Or are we trying to give into the relationship? And something to think about. Are we trying to be served? Or are we trying to serve? <clears throat> So number three, we looked at um, examining our hearts, adjusting our expectations, and number three is demolishing strongholds. Proverbs 18, 9. Or, I'm sorry, 18, 19, I'm sorry. 
Proverbs 18, verse 19. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like a bar of a castle. Strong cities had walls to protect them, and these walls were assurance of, of protection. Um, they kept uninvited, they kept unwanted guests out, and they kept invaders out, people that would do harm to the city. Um, the Greek word for fortress or castle, if I get this right, is a kumara, and the New Testament translates this into strongholds, and we'll look at that in Second Corinthians 10 verses 4 and 5. 2 Corinthians 10. For the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. So strongholds here is set patterns of reasoning which we process information and I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit later casting down imaginations and everything every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ <clears throat> Mark touched on this none of us like being hurt you know there's there's not one of us to say if I would like to have a root cow canal picked me i mean we just as humans we usually run from pain none of us like to be hurt and avoid pain whenever possible but what happens is when we're offended we start a subconscious building program erecting erecting walls um, within our heart in order to protect ourselves from those hurts and from those wounds we've received and trying to safeguard our heart and that's what he's talking about with these strongholds we withhold access to people that we think or we perceive, perceive that might hurt us. <clears throat> An offended person begun, becomes to look inward instead of outward. Our focus becomes inward, in other words, and we guard our hearts and guard our rights and relationships very, very carefully. <clears throat> And what begins to happen is we we filter, um, we start filtering things through our hearts and through these walls. And what that does is it's getting us to harder to open our heart and we can't receive or give out love. You see, if we don't risk being hurt, we cannot, get, uh, we cannot give unconditional love. And I read this, right, this statement, next statement, and it just really struck me. And I'll just share it with you. Unconditional love gives others the right to hurt us. Think about that for a little bit. Unconditional love gives others the right to hurt us. Or the opportunity you could insert in there. When a person, when we as Christians begin to build these walls within our relationships, what happens? The love of God will wax colder and colder in our life. It's the it's the opposite abstract of the frog in the pot of water when you begin to heat the pot up and, the, and it boils the frog doesn't understand what's going on and eventually will die well this is the exact opposite of that the love of god the love that we have for god when we're not receiving love in because we've got all these walls we've got all these strongholds up in our life we're not receiving god's love we're not receiving his word then our love begins to wax colder and colder 
<clears throat> there's a natural example of this in the Holy Land. There are two seas. <clears throat> we got the uh, the two seas in the Holy Land. We got the Sea of Galilee, and it receives water from the the mountains of of Caesarea Philippi, and then the the water goes down through the the Jordan River into the Dead Sea. But what's interesting between the two seas is the Sea of Galilee gives in and gives out, or takes in and gives out, and it's got abundant plant life and abundant fish life. But for some some strange reason, when the water goes down into, flows down the Jordan River into the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea no longer gives out, it just takes in. And those waters are stagnant and bitter, stagnant and bitter. And so this is just an example of the love of God flowing through us. If we allow it to flow through us and out us versus just letting it flow through us and stop. Does that, does that make sense in that analogy? <clears throat> the love of God must be received freely and freely given. And our walls, our strongholds will stop that. You see, a offended person is a person that will take life in, but because of fear cannot release life out of, the, of their heart <clears throat> because of the, the bitter, stagnant water within their walls. So as we look at demolishing strongholds, I want to I give some positive encouragement with all this. As we, and maybe this isn't the right analogy, but I like to think of the walls of Jericho when the the children of Israel marching into the promised land, it wasn't an easy task. You know, here God promised all these great things for them and, and victories and things like that, but they still had to do their part. They still had to obey God's will perfectly and do what he commanded them. So as they were to, coming up to the walls of Jericho, they were to march around it. I'm not going to go into the whole story, but I think that was it the seventh time that they marched around it. They were to blow this trumpet, and this, this trumpet signified victory. Now, they hadn't gained victory yet, but this trumpet signified that, and the walls came tumbling down. So we can, like, we can liken that to as we listen to God's Word, as we, we look into God's Word. He shares with us how to demolish our strongholds. He, as we allow Him to examine our heart, His Holy Spirit will convict us of things that we need to take care of in our lives. And then we need to allow Jesus to win the victory for us. <clears throat> Number four, break the chain reaction. Matthew 24. Verses 10 through 13. Matthew 24, 10. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. offended person that still has a stronghold in their life 
what they thought was their protection now becomes their prison. Does that make sense? I want to look at betrayal. This this is this is a difficult lesson here. Um, I just want to use give an illustration of betrayal is seeking my benefit and protection at somebody else's expense. Betrayal is seeking my protection, my benefit at someone else's expense. Verse 10, and, and many shall be offended. So I want to make it very clear here. These are Christian people that, that Jesus is talking to. And this is pretty much what the whole message is about. Is, is It's not talking about the world. This, these are believing people that have allowed offenses to creep up in our lives. And he goes on and says, and they shall betray one another and shall hate one another. So we gave the, we gave the definition of betrayal. Um, one thing I want to say is, is the offended heart is the perfect breeding ground for deception. When we have an offended heart, like I think Karen shared, we listen, we're more prone to listen to Satan's lies than we are to God's lies, or God's truths, excuse me. So offended person eventually will, um, betray or abandon a relationship if it's allowed to go on because they're building these walls and they 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 finally say well it's not worth having this relationship i can't i can't be hurt again i can't be i can't be wounded again and so they'll end up dissolving the relationship with that person and then sometimes after betrayal it leads to hatred and when we think of hatred, most times we think of an extreme emotion of anger or frustration, but that's not really what hatred means here. Um, can we have hatred without emotion? Let's just look at this example. Absalom, it says in the Bible, he hated his brother Ammon, but the Bible said he neither, neither spoke good nor evil of him. So think about that. He hated his brother, but he never spoke evil nor good of him. <clears throat> so I'll let you answer that own question within your own heart. <clears throat> As we look on in verse 11, it says, And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. Well, what are these false prophets? Well, I'd like to submit to you this morning, these are offended people. These are offended Christians that have not taken down their strongholds, their walls. All you have to do is get on Facebook or any social media and look at the Christians fighting against each other and fighting against other people. <clears throat> it says, and they shall deceive many. Hurting people hurt people. I mean, that's just a common, common cliche, you know, that, that we experience and know. What does the Bible talk about false prophets? The Bible says they're, it's wolves in sheep clothing. It's Somebody that's that's uh, ultimately being deceitful and and trying to hurt you and to kill you. As we know in uh, the, the way God created uh, the earth, the predators and the prey. You know, the predators tend to seek after the wounded and the ones that become isolated. And we have to be very very careful that we don't become isolated. Um, or we will become the praise supper. Proverbs 18.1 talks on this, <clears throat> of isolation. 
And many times the way we come, become isolated is we're tired of dealing with the hurts, we're tired, tired of dealing with the struggles of life. Proverbs 18.1, through desire a man having separated himself seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. So we see here this person ultimately seeking isolation from others and ultimately seeking isolation from God. Verse 12, back in Matthew chapter 24. And because iniquity, and some translations have lawlessness, which basically is not submitting to God's will or not submitting to his word, says, because of this, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. There again, talking about um, how in this process, our love, with, with receiving love in and not allowing um, it to come out of our lives, it becomes cold. And this is what we get from um, verse 13. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So that was the verse that I was wanting to back up. This is talking about Christians because it says, he that shall endure all this shall be saved. It's not The world's not going to be saved if they endure this. It's, it's talking about Christian brothers and sisters. <clears throat> As we look at hatred, I want to go, turn back and look at that a little bit. First John 3.15. And I was really challenged by this. First John 3.15. says, Whoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and that ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Those are some powerful words. The Greek word for hateth is messio, if I'm pronouncing this right. It basically means to love less. So if we if we use that word to love less, that really kind of puts hatred in perspective, doesn't it? It's a vacuum. In a sense, it's a vacuum void of love. It's just sucking everything in. It's a selfish, selfish love. As we look at the Greek word offense, it's the Greek word is scandalon, which is an old Greek word which basically means when they used to trap animals and prey, they would put a bait in the trigger of the trap. So what would happen is the prey would come up and take the bait and the, the trap would close an entrapment or ultimately kill them. So that's basically Satan's desire for all of us, is that we're willing to take that bait, we're willing to take that offense, and then he's got us. He's got us in his trap. The bait of Satan is to pull us, the believer, into his captivity and destroy us. Hebrews 12.15 Hebrews 12:15 looking diligently lest any man fall fail of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby be defiled and that word defile is basically ruined it's going to ruin us as a as a person as a, as a spiritual person so in closing i want to look at pursuing oneness as our fifth um I'm just going to read the verse here. Psalm 119, verse 165. It says, Great peace have they which love thy law, 
and nothing shall offend them. So is there hope? Absolutely, there's hope. I want to look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. This is, we're looking at the oneness of God. If we're one with God, we're going to be one with each other. Does that make sense? There's one body, one spirit, even as ye are called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. When we filter everything through offended heart, it causes us not to believe the word of God. When we view God as a person, then, then basically uh, we look at God as fail, can fail us. He can we can be offended by Him. But God is not a person. God is perfect. His ways are perfect. His love is perfect, and His law is perfect. <clears throat> I want to read a quote from uh, Watchman Nee. He was a Christian leader that. Uh, lived in China and because of his faith was in, was imprisoned. Um, he said, The work of God is to make us one body, but the work of Satan is to cause us to turn asunder. Satan uses our, content, our corrupt flesh, our stubborn self, and the world which we can't, which we covet, to carry out his work of destruction. If these elements are permitted to remain in our lives, we clearly make room for Satan to work his work of disintegration. Oneness is when God has his absolute place in us. Oneness is when he alone is in all, when he fills all. When the children of God are filled with when the children of God are filled with God, they harmonize with each other. So in closing scripture, Second Timothy two <clears throat> Second Timothy two twenty four through twenty six, and the servant of the Lord must not strive or quarrel, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose or offend themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil or the trap who are taken captive by him at his will. Our enemy's plan is to trap and to control us is triggered when we pick up these offenses. Offenses left unchecked will eventually separate us from others and ultimately separate us from God. The enemy is to forge a chain of pain in our lives, and we are only hurting ourselves. I think it was in um, leadership, last leadership we was at, I think uh, Brother Seth Skiles talked about this, about when we choose to be unforgiving to other people, there's a chain from our neck over to their neck. And many times that other person may not even realize that we're offended at them, but we're being held captive together um, because of that offense. And many times we look at it from a 
point of we're trying to hurt that other person, but ultimately we're only hurting ourselves. That, like I said, many times the other person doesn't even know that they've they, that we're offended at them. And so, for our church to grow, for Christians to have a thriving church, I just I hope there's no offenses here today between us. I really don't, but. I want to share that this is a personal testimony. I, I pray, I start praying <laughs> many times before it's my turn to te- uh, preach, and I pray that God, you know, show me, show me your will. I want, a, I want a message, and so many times I have to live out my own message. And it just hasn't been but more than two and a half weeks ago. I experienced that with my wife. But praise God, that's over. The Bible says, Husbands, be not bitter against your wife. And I was bitter for just little things. Like I said, I don't have the answers, but God does right here. <laughs>